This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today I'm joined by a friend of the podcast, my good friend, uh, Praveen Mumanini. Praveen is the Director of Spinal Surgery at UCSF in San Francisco. Praveen, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Mike. Now, first of all, congratulations. I heard you got a new title, a big title. Can you tell us about that? Uh, Yes, I'll be uh, doing the uh, surgical triad leader uh, for the Parnassus main campus to help plan uh, for all surgicals of specialties, um, how to make our our efficiency uh, get improved and also plan for our new hospital tower that's going up in the next seven years. Now, this is so cool to me because does this mean you start to get to control things like where the anesthesiologists go, who gets the big room, who gets an MRI in the room, that kind of stuff? Uh, I don't control things, but I certainly can have some input into all of those kinds of issues. Yeah, because, you know, that's how it is. Like neurosurgeons, we're always worried about the OR, right? Do we get the big room? Do we get the equipment we want? And, you know, I I guess you fantasize about that kind of role because it lets you be, uh, it lets you divert resources to neurosurgeons, right? But of course, now in this role, you represent all surgical services, right? Yes, I I represent all surgical subspecialties. So it's a matter of of bringing the whole group together uh, into a better place in terms of innovation and uh, providing platforms in the OR that uh, will help us to do the surgery of tomorrow for all surgical subspecialties. Now, you know we're doing this mini-series on neurosurgeons with an MBA, so congratulations. Tell us about um, where you went to school and, and when you finished and how long it took you. Yeah, so um, I did my MBA during the pandemic. I uh, finished it at the uh, end of 2020. Um, and, uh, you know, at that time I wasn't operating for pretty much most of that year because of the pandemic. They had uh, really uh, severely restricted how many cases that we could do. Uh, And so I I spent basically full time doing the MBA. It wasn't originally planned that way. I was really planning to spread it out for several years. I did it through uh, LSU uh, and the branch that I did it through was at uh, Shreveport uh, because they, uh, during the pandemic, had, you know, remote access availability. And, you know, at that point, I couldn't go anywhere and do an MBA in person. Uh, due to the pandemic and travel restrictions. So I ended up doing it uh, with LSU. Okay, so that's really cool. So you got this new role. You're in a managerial administrative position, right, with the surgical services and all the subspecialties, and you just got your MBA. So do you th- was there a, a tie in there? Do you think that helped you get that role, that leadership position? Yeah, I think because uh, a lot of people interviewed for that position, I think having the MBA was probably the differentiator that helped me get that role. Super cool, super cool. So I I wanted to spend the better part of this podcast asking you about the details because you're a very detail-oriented guy. We had you on talking um, a couple years ago when we started this podcast on how you plan for the OR. So I'd like to spend some time asking you about what it's like doing an MBA because obviously, you know, we go to college to medical school. Some people do a PhD, but business school is different, right? It's a whole different skill set. Yes, it is. Uh, it is completely different. It was nice to go back to school and and uh, you know start reading and going to class. Although I'll be remotely during the pandemic and uh, meet my classmates again remotely during the pandemic and and do group projects. I mean, it was nice to go back and into those days from you know many years ago when I used to do that uh, when I was uh, in college and medical school. Yeah, so I've heard it said in different ways, but business school entails several major silos, if you will, that overlap. Things like finance. Uh, human resources, marketing, uh, administrative planning, stuff like that, right? So how are the classes structured at LSU for you? Like, in other words, was there like a core set of classes and get to pick electives or was there just a set pattern everybody went through? No, I think that's exactly right, Mike. You can, you have to do a core set of classes, uh, including marketing, including finance, including strategy, 
Uh, and then there are electives that you can add on that would uh, you know, basically adjust the MBA to what you need for your um, you know, professional life afterwards. And you can get some specialties in MBAs as well. Um, I did a general business MBA, but there are people who will do other you know, subspecialties of MBAs as well, depending on you know, what field they're in. Yeah, so walk us through that a little bit. I've heard, for example, like the finance and accounting classes, a lot of people are, are afraid of these classes. I guess there's a lot of math. There's, there's some abstract elements of understanding accounting processes um, and how things are denoted and accounted for, if you will. Tell us about, let, let's start with finance. Like what, what are those classes like? There's probably a core finance course, and of course there's more advanced ones, right? Yes, so to get the MBA, you, uh, there was a series of, of separate finance courses you had to do. Um, yes, it's true that you do need some basic understanding of calculus to do it. Um, it's been, of course, decades since I took any calculus. In fact, I never even took calculus in college because I, I AP'd out in high school. So I was done. I hadn't seen calculus since I was a teenager. But it really wasn't all that bad. And, you know, it's, uh, and even if you're not a math whiz, there are ways to, you know, basically crunch the numbers without having to do a whole lot of, you know, really integral math in your head. So I don't think the math was all that really problematic. Um, and uh, the professors are really quite good and they helped you through the problems and, and how to think about the problems in, in finance. And, uh, you know, once you did the basics and going on to the more advanced stuff, you know, with the building blocks were definitely there. Yeah, and you, you gave me great advice because as, as I, I indicated on our last uh, week's recording that basically I'm doing this selfishly because I'm considering this. And, and when you're going into this finance area, are there like, there, there must be things on the internet to help you, as you say, crunch the numbers, right? You don't have to do it like we did in the 1980s, right? So, um, you know, the, the, there are, you know, professional financial calculators now that you can use, and they, you know, the classes incorporate the financial calculators. They, they can help you really crunch the numbers uh, without you having to handwrite. It's not a math test that they're trying to test you on an MBA class. They're trying to make sure you understand concepts and can do the mathematical modeling of the finance. So, you know, the calculators will do a lot of the work for you, and, and it's just a matter of, of getting the right one for your class. And, and is finance... Uh, is accounting part of finance or is accounting a whole separate class? Yeah, no, for us, uh, you know, accounting was uh, a separate class that I took beyond finance. So there's a finance class and there's subsequently an accounting class. Okay, now but I think that can be different in different schools. I've started to ask people about this. So accounting to me is is something fairly complicated because there's a language, right? I've heard it said that, and of course, anybody looking at money moving through a system, like in a hospital, looking at a at balance sheet and understanding what that means quickly is is one of the core skill sets, right, of, of someone who understands business. So tell me a little about accounting and what that looks like. Yeah, learning how to read a balance sheet was really important. Um, you know, I, I was shown these before in some of my roles as co-director at the Spine Center and, and department vice chair where, you know, I'd, I'd see, you know, medical center balance sheets and it was really sort of, you know, the numbers were here, the numbers were over there. You really couldn't make sense of the numbers. You really didn't understand what they were trying to get at with the numbers. And people can really hide things in, in those balance sheets if you don't know what you're looking for. So accounting was really effective in teaching you how to break down each piece of that balance sheet and how to look for what are the key triggers in each of those areas to, so you can really get the overall picture of what goes on. Because you know, there are general accounting rules that uh, a lot of accountants follow. And you, once you understand those rules and how to read these balance sheets, then you know, basically you, all of that uh, information is opened up to you in a transparent way. Was that tough to learn? Was it tough to, to be able to see? It's, I, I hear that people know this. They, when they look at a balance sheet, they just see it and they know what's going on, as opposed to someone like me who's like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of numbers. Is it positive or negative, right? 
Uh, no, I mean, it's like anything else, you can learn it. And uh, it's, um, it, it's it, they don't make you learn it all at once. And it's, you, you learn it over the course of the, uh, of the term. So you start slow and then you build on it and build on it and build on it. And so by the time you're done, you can really you know, have a good understanding of it. None, none of this is really groundbreakingly difficult. Uh, all of this is something that you know, every, every person who you know, has a good uh, graduate school education can easily learn. Uh, I don't think any of this is, is so fancy and difficult that you, uh, that you couldn't figure it out. I think you could easily figure it out, I could easily figure it out, um, and it's not really uh, something that, uh, that creates a you know, mental barrier for folks. I, I like that you say that, because to, to a lot of doctors, it is a little intimidating, right? Because we're taught that we don't know anything about business, and we're supposed to be philanthropic and not care about money and stuff like that. But, but you're right. That, I think in the right setting, maybe LSU is a great place to go. You're, now it's one of your alma maters that they, they taught you well, right? So what are the other areas? So let's say marketing. You have to take some marketing classes, right? Yes. So uh, again, th there's also a, a rhyme and a reason and a science to marketing. And uh, I think that was really effective to learn, uh, you know, different ways that people market. There's, um, you know, whether you use print media, you use social media, you use uh, the internet, you use, uh, you know, whatever you use, posters, etc. And each of those has a different reach to a different category worth of people. And so I think um, understanding how to make a message, brand a message, and put the message out there is, is all about marketing and, and is very effective um, uh, tool to have in your tool belt. Yeah, a lot of doctors are very sensitive to marketing, right? Because they want to be marketed and they tend to, it, people tend to think, I know a lot about marketing because I just have a natural understanding, right? But the reality is there's, there is a science to it, right? There's a process to it. Yes, there is, a, there is a science and a process to it. And, um, you know, the, the other thing in business school, which happens a lot, is that there are case studies. So you can see how marketing helped, you know, certain companies uh, during time to, um, to overcome some of the barriers that they had in terms of customer interface. And so, um, you know, learning some of those case studies and seeing how people effectively use marketing is a, is a nice learning tool, again, for, for someone to have in their tool belt. Yeah, that's great. So let's move on, and we're going very quickly through these, right? But I think the next one might be something like human resources management or something along those lines, right? How you manage people in an organization, right? What would that class be called at, at LSU? Yeah, it's, it was called human resources. Okay, tell me, because so this is my biggest problem. Like, I can't manage people. So tell me about what you learned in that kind of class. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there is obviously um, a branch of people in business who focus on human resources. And so um, this is not going to be the typical physician's role. There are going to be people who make their whole career on it, but understanding how those people see the world around them, the business world around them, how they see interactions of folks around them, uh, how they categorize those interactions, and and um, you know how that melds with uh, the ethos of a company. Those are all really good things to understand um, because you know basically uh, you know the HR person. Uh, is going to be following a set of those guidelines. And now, you know, once you do the MBA, you understand what those guidelines are. I see, I see, okay. And then I imagine the other two areas might be something like the legal realms of business, but that's kind of boring to me, but strategy, right? This sort of strategic element of what you do as a leader. What, what was that kind of class like? Yeah, strategy is more of, you know, where do you, what's your vision? Where do you want to go with, your, with, the, with the company? Um, what's the company's vision, you know, and what's the uh, what's the means to get uh, to get that vision achieved, um, and then uh, also looking around at your competitors and and how they're competing with you, uh, and you know, and in, in, in what ways they're trying to differentiate from you, um, you know, that's all the uh, the strategy uh, bucket, and so uh, understanding that is is really good because um, then you can. 
formulate a plan, looking ahead with a vision, uh, and then execute the steps to get to your vision. And that's that's what strategy is all about. So, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for you because you're obviously an amazing surgeon, you're an innovator, you're an academician. And so I, I want to say that I, I want to be kind of like that too. So selfishly, I'm going to ask you this question. You go to business school and what parts of business school did you really like and what parts did you really not like? Um, I mean, I, looking at it, encompassing the whole the whole kit and caboodle, I pretty much liked all parts of it. I found it all fascinating. Um, you know, I like marketing. I like strategy. I understood the HR piece. You know, in the accounting piece, there was also a portion on taxation, which I found, you know, very interesting and in how, you know, different states and federal, the federal government, uh, you know, looks at your taxes and how corporate taxes are calculated and, and you know, how the accountant in your company or your hospital will, will look at taxes. So it was all fascinating to me. It was just new and different information that I never really was exposed to. There wasn't any real part of it that uh, that I disliked, actually, in retrospect. What, was it weird doing homework next to your kids or teenage kids? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, weekend would be done, you know, me sitting there doing homework uh, with my teenagers at the time. Uh, and that was, that was a little strange. And so, um, you know, did you have limited phone together. time and screen time? Or yeah, something? I mean, I'm, I'm not really a, a phone and screen kind of person anyway. So, but yeah. And then, you know, weekends would, you know, I would take proctored exams, which somebody would watch me on a computer taking an exam so that, quote unquote, I didn't cheat. Not that I, you know, would ever really need to do that um, anyway. But uh, it was it was strange to be proctored, you know, doing exams every weekend for two hours. Yeah. And so doing it virtually, like, did you did you have any in person? Did you have to fly that? No, because because of the pandemic, there was nothing in person. So do you feel like that changed the experience a little bit? I mean, because I just remember at Stanford Business School, I was always so jealous. They they always had so much fun and parties every every night and they were just really connecting with each other. How did you do that virtually? And did you think you lost out a little bit on that end? Yeah, I think that was definitely something that I did miss um, having some some in person component to it. I mean, we did all our group projects virtually too, because it was just, uh, at the time, difficult to fly around the country to do a group project and to meet your classmates. So, um, but I think uh, it would have been some better to have some blended, at least in-person portion to it, at least, you know, a couple times during the MBA, but it's just during the pandemic, it couldn't happen. There's a lot of MBA programs now where you can blend it like that, where you go for a weekend every other month or however it works to meet people in person. I think there's something to that in-person um, portion of the MBA, which really helps you network. So now that you've got the MD and MBA, are, are like the doors open again? Are you thinking about doing, maybe doing JD or a PhD or anything like that? Are you, is your appetite for that growing? Uh, no, not right now. I think I've got my hands full enough, and the MBA was good enough to uh, to um, satisfy the the urge to go learn something for a while. So for a while, I'm good. Yeah. So so can you give me an example how? Having had this training, right? It's it's a two year. Was it two years or one year? It was supposed to be two. I finished it in one. You, you're, of course, you're overachiever. So you finished it in a year, and so you do this. Like, have you already applied some of the principles and wisdom you've acquired to your daily job? Uh, yes, uh, in terms of team building, in terms of strategy, uh, and um, you know, because of my roles now in the hospital, the strategy portion uh, definitely is is really relevant and. Um, uh, and, you know, in, in terms of uh, also, you know, planning for the future and looking at uh, a vision and trying to get uh, the whole, t- whole team to buy into that vision. I think those are all elements that I'm, I'm currently using right now in my roles in the hospital. Can you give me a concrete example just so people understand this, you know, in the abstract, I get it, but like an actual example, how you applied it to something that happened in San Francisco? Well, I mean, I'm applying it now. We're, we're planning a new surgical tower at the UCSF Parnassus campus, um, which is going to go up uh, over the next seven years. 
So we have to think ahead and see, you know, putting there into that tower, the size of the OR, what equipment is gonna fit in that OR, how it's gonna look in the future. If there's another pandemic, do we have enough, you know, negative airflow rooms? Um, and do we have enough ICU bed space? And are we going to conveniently get the patient from the OR up the elevator bank into the ICU without shifting them here and there? And should the ICU be on the same floor as the OR? I mean, these are all elements of, you know, basically planning ahead to uh, achieve your vision of having, you know, the OR of the future, the ICU of the future, the hospital tower of the future. Um, and all of that is, is building in components of the MBA. And I'm not doing that by myself by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, we have a very, uh, you know, interested and involved uh, team. I'm part of a triad. So there's a nursing leader, there's an anesthesia leader, there's a surgeon leader, which is me. And then, um, you know, we feed back through into the C-suite of the hospital to try to get all these things on the table. So in this particular example, it's more about how you approach it, how you look at everything has been the prism has been altered a bit for you, maybe opened a little bit, right? And how you look at architectural plans, right? How you think about the future, maybe a little bit more, how do you say, expansive or a little bit more detailed? Uh, yes, it's definitely, you look in, into the detail of, of the situation and you break it down into pieces. And so, um, you know, you think about it in, in certain silos, like, you know, the construction people have their silo, the, the um, anesthesia and nursing folks will have their silo. And then the key is to put all the silos together into uh, into one big picture and, and make them all work with each other because people often don't look outside their silo, but um, people who are you know, helping to execute the plan, if they look outside the silo and bring all the, the relevant uh, stakeholders into uh, you know a single place, um, I think they can get a lot more done. Awesome. Well, Praveen, thanks again for sharing your thoughts on our podcast. Thanks for coming on again. Congratulations on your new title uh, and the MBA. Great. Thanks, Mike. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.